0: we sung uh, talks about uh, how his name dispels my guilt and fear and we want to think about you know how does that happen when we think about uh, you know the the record of the gospel writers what we uh, think about is a record that they wrote so that we might believe you know they've written these things down of course and many other things were done that weren't recorded so when we think about um, God's word and what He is putting down, put down for us, um, you know, we think about well, what's the purpose, you know, behind it? Why, you know, why is it um, that that's what we have a record of? You know, why is why is it that we've got this or this or this as a uh, part of this record when there were so many other things done? You know what's what's being communicated for us and for our benefit but I, I don't want to look at so much the specifics of the miracles that were done but want to look at really uh, what these things communicate to us you know when we think about okay these things were written down so that we might believe well they're written down so that we might believe and do what you know if I, if I believe the Sun comes up in the east and sets in the west And it's going to do that, and that's my belief. Well, I might orient my house a certain way. You know, I'm going to change what I do. And if we believe he was who he said he was, it can dispel our guilt and fear. It can, uh, when we're singing the other song, more about Jesus, what I know, more of his saving fullness, see? You know, we'll... If you believe those things, will you adjust how you live your life? You know, will you change what you do if you believe? And when we see belief and unbelief in the Scriptures, it's usually you can just substitute obedience and disobedience. You know, it's it's about what we do. So as we look at these miracles, and we've been talking about these prophecies, uh, the going through the minor prophets, um, you know, How these things relate, how the Old Testament and the New Testament are a powerful working together to help us, uh, you know, wrap this cord of strong faith uh, that can't be broken. Well, these miracles are a part of that cord of our faith, and we want to talk about those things today. All right. If you look in vines, uh, you know this this idea of the word miracle being defined. It's power or inherent ability. It's used of works of a supernatural origin and character such as could not be produced by natural agents and means. So, you know, that's if you look in Binds, that's talking about basically what is the word used in the Bible. And Webster's just says, an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. And, of course, that's a little more broad. But if you break down what we find uh, recorded of is, um, you know, what we can find in New Testament that's been recorded of the miracles that Jesus did, you know, we, we can break them into categories. And we see this idea of healing um, and in, in this idea of, uh, you know, getting rid of the demon possession or the uh, unclean spirit. Uh, the idea of raising the dead. We see power over nature. We see the catching the fish, feeding the multitudes, and his resurrection. And we want to think about, okay, well, why, you know, why record these and why record those? You know, what's the purpose of the me- you know What's the message? So let's be thinking about these kind of things. We, we just sang The Great Physician. We got some ideas really even just from that song as to you know what kind of things do we uh, learn from that. And we'll kind of look uh, at an answer that Jesus gave uh, to John's disciples here in uh, Matthew 11. Starting in verse 2 says, Now when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the expected one or shall we look for someone else jesus answered and said to them go and report to john what you hear and see the blind receive sight and the lame walk the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them and blessed is he who does not take offense at me now This is John the Baptist that's sending these guys. This is the same John the Baptist that I think heard a voice from heaven saying this is is him. This is after that. So, you know, think about um, the power of the answer that Jesus made. What what question does Jesus expect these miracles to answer for us? It would be the same question that John the Baptist had. You know, it's the question of the ages, right? Um, so when we look at these miracles, we want to think about what questions does it do they answer? And so... These are some of the ones that be on our mind. Is he the one? Is he who he said he was? How do these miracles help answer the most important question for anyone to answer? Does he care about me? And we think about this idea of relationship. And can or will he help or save me? And we want to be thinking about these questions as we go through some of these things and how they relate to the miracles that have been recorded for our benefit. Okay. Let's look at this idea of his concern for simple needs. It is in Matthew 15. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people, because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, for they might faint on the way. The disciples said to him, Where would we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a large large crowd? And Jesus said to them, And how many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven and a few small fish. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground, and he took seven loaves, and fish, and giving thanks, he broke them and started giving them to, his, to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, seven large baskets full, and those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And again, think of um, his compassion or concern from the for those folks. We're talking about you know, him responding to the idea of empty belly, just taking care of basic needs. One of the basic or fundamental needs of people is this idea of of being known. You know, one of the things I used to say to my kids, you know, you you have trouble. <laughs> I guess we always all have trouble, but. Uh, you know, if if you're being hard on other folks, some, something to remember sometimes is this thing I used to tell the kids, you know, your best friend yeah, he's probably not the best person you know, is he? Well, no? Okay, well why is he your best friend? It's because it's you know you know him and he knows you Y'all know each other well. So how is it that you have this great relationship? Is that the best person you could find to be friends with? Well, what it is 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 you let yourself be known. And and that person, they let themselves be known. And that's how you build that relationship. That's how you get that closeness. So, you know, when we think about a relationship with our God, What has he revealed to us? What has he told us about himself? And how do you communicate back to him? Now, of course, he already knows. But there is this idea of, you know, when you think about your relationship with some good friend, have you ever kind of opened up with your vulnerabilities, your weaknesses? Are these things that you share? Are those things that build that relationship and is this the same with God? And as, you know, he's done his part to reveal himself to us. And so when we look at these things, we want to try to see what it is he's saying. Just says, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Um, we know that he knows these things. Um later on in the chapter for this reason i say to you do not be worried about your life as to what uh you will eat or what you will drink nor for your body as to what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing so you're working on this relationship with a creator um he knows what your needs are and he's demonstrated that he cares what your needs are in his life here he's shown compassion towards people just like you and me about what their needs even their wants are now as a part of that i mean he's he's saying hey you know don't you be worried about these things. I'm going to take care of these things. I know about it. I know what you need before you ask me. Um, he demonstrates that kind of care in these miracles and then in the way he interacts here in this li- in, in his life that's recorded for us. And so to know that he knows and to know that he cares, um, that's part of this equation. So, what's what's our part in that? In response to him, you know, is it that he? Uh, do we respond to his needs, or do we respond to his desires? And he and how do we know what his desires are if, except for to study them and to see? So, how do we do our part? We see that he's done his part, and we see that, you know, through these miracles and the way he lived his life, that he does care about these things that um, often are so big in our world. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. There's this element of trust. Well, how do you trust and how do you believe? You know, how do you do those things? And what has he done to help us to trust and believe? All right. In Luke 8, we have this record. Now, on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat, and he said to them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep, and a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake, and they began to be swamped, And to be in danger and they came to Jesus and woke him saying master master we are perishing and he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves and they stopped and it became calm and he said to them where is your faith they were fearful and amazed saying to one another who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him so what did they learn from that miracle they learned who he, who he was. you know. And as we look at these miracles, we learn the same thing. We just sang this song about the great position. And when we think about this idea of impaired senses, what effect do these have on people? What's said of those that reject God's truth, that they're blind, they're deaf, they cannot see or will not hear, You know, when we look at the history of the book, you know, what we see is that, you know, when God talks about folks that may not really be physically deaf or blind, he's talking about them being deaf and blind, because they cannot uh, see or will not hear. You know, when we see the blind and the deaf healed, you know, is there a message in these miracles for us when we when we see what he's doing in interacting with his people what does truth do what's the power of his word said to be able to do you know are we are we looking at maybe some deeper lessons that he's trying to teach us John fourteen six. Jesus said to him I'm the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me alright so where is this fight that we're supposed to fight in this life what is this fight that we have and Ephesians 6 uh, 12 says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the powers against the forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places well, without Jesus, are we equipped for such a battle? I mean, where, where do we get our equipment for this battle that we're supposedly going to be fighting? You know, where does it come from? And let me ask you, if uh, we didn't really have any kind of proof that he was really kind of good at fighting a battle like this, where would our confidences be? You know, if we're fighting something like this, if this is what we're up against, where do we get our confidence that he's going to be able to help us with it? How do we know? And Mark we see just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God, and Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. So what did the folks in that day learn from looking at that miracle? wouldn't it be maybe the same thing that we're supposed to learn that he has authority over these things they're subservient to him he's the winner you know we look at these miracles that he's done these records and they're designed I think to give us confidence confidence that he cares about us personally and our needs confidence that um, He's going to deliver a truth uh, that will cure us from blindness and deafness. You know, this idea of a revelation of His plan, the mystery. He's come and reveal those things to us. And this idea that He's the winner in this realm, in this spiritual realm, so if you feel like you're losing this battle he's shown us who the winners are who has the power and authority in this battle so there's another idea that we find in his miracles it's important to people Um, if Jesus doesn't have power over death what what is he to us You know, why 2,000 years later would I be worried a whole lot about, I mean, because I'm going to just live and die and be dead all over like Rover, right? If he hadn't got any power over death, if I'm not going to be dead all over like Rover, who's going to help me when I'm dead? You know, who can? In John eleven fourteen, 14, uh, well, and of course, we're going to skip around the chapter a little bit. But, so Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And later in the chapter, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept, so the Jews were saying, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. That was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there be a stench for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, that that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, "Unbind him and let him go. So what, what we see is that there was a purpose for that miracle, and, and Jesus had that purpose in mind evidently for days before. This is something that he had planned, and the purpose of that was so that those folks would believe. So, what's the purpose for us when we see that he's got power over death? That we would be able to believe the same thing be true for us. Because if he doesn't have that, then, then where's your confidence going to be? In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, but when. This perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on the immortality. Then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we think about, you know, maybe put this thing on a chart what do these miracles demonstrate to the believer? And so you see that he has care for the little things, control over the big things. We see that he's got compassion for the lost. We see that he has power over things we can see, you know, this idea of power over nature or whatever. He has power over things we can't see, which would be these spiritual things, these, these uh, things in the darkness or whatever that are a mystery to us. We see, basically, he has victory over all things, but most especially that he has victory over death. And so as we look at this idea of the resurrection, you know, this, this miracle of the resurrection, we're going to think about a few more things. Who's responsible? Is it important? And what's it mean to me? So we'll try to go through and answer some of these. So who's responsible however you're not in the flesh but in the spirit but if indeed the spirit of god dwells in you but if anyone does not have the spirit of christ he does not belong to him if christ is in you though the body is dead because of sin yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness but if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised christ jesus from the dead will also give to you to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Give life to you, to your mortal bodies, through His Spirit who dwells in you. So, how is it that we have life in our mortal bodies? Through what? And is there some relationship there? So, is the answer the Holy Spirit? Uh, Galatians 1 1 Paul, an apostle, not sent from men or through the agency of man, but through Christ, Jesus Christ, the God uh, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Okay. And Ephesians uh, 1 uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation and a knowledge of him which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in the, at the right hand in the heavenly places. Then the answer is maybe the Father and the Spirit both, maybe. And the Jews then said to him, What sign do you show? Show us as your authority for doing these things. And, Jesus answered them destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up the Jews then said it took 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days but he was speaking of the temple of his body and who's he talking about raising it up so who's responsible for the resurrection and the answer is God is Kind of like this chart me and Evan worked on. You know, we talking about, you know, the works of the Spirit or the different things involved in our salvation. When you start look, put all this stuff on a chart <laughs> and you'll find it's a bigger answer than you thought it was. Romans 10:9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So if God's responsible, who's Jesus? And why is it important? Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised and perishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. Evidently, for us to get from this place to the next, there's got to be some stuff happening. So what does Paul say about the importance of the resurrection? And when we think about this miracle of the resurrection, what all is involved in the resurrection, who's involved in the resurrection, what that means to me. For I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. For, as, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And what is it? It's this bit of information right here about this miracle of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 13. For if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my Father. What does that mean to you? How important is it that he has this authority that he can do this? Because if he can do it for himself, can he do it for you? So as we consider these miracles of Jesus and the message that they give us, they tell us basically that he cares for us, that he loves us. It's this revealing of this mystery. It tells us that his truth is powerful; that it cures uh, this idea of blindness and deafness uh, in a spiritual way. He's, it shows us that He has the ability to help us be victorious in this battle that it is that we're supposed to be fighting here. But more importantly, it shows us that He has victory over death, and ultimately. That's what's going to be most important to us. And as we um, consider uh, what this means to us, uh, what it means is I can go through this life believing that he is who he says he is and that he can do what he promises he can do. And so... As we consider those things and we consider the invitation of Christ uh, to follow Him, uh, that's what we would like to extend this morning as we uh, stand and sing the song that's been selected. Number 269.